The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, how are the legs? Tired. Now, this is odd because right now we're recording, as you well know, dear listener, by now, that we record this ahead of the Monday. So we sort of do a time leap. But Kev, by now, will have done 1,400 weddings in a row. <laughs> yeah. Um, four, yeah. Four, four, on like the, four on the bounce, Kev. I mean, you haven't done that since, what, 1992? <laughs> I've done it before once, actually. But, um, yeah. It is what it is, isn't it? Things we've got to do these days. <laughs> will you be doing four in a row again after this? Uh, I've got another three in a row later than month. Oh, my so. word. Yeah, You know, years so. ago, you used to say to me, uh, in the days I was doing quite a few in a row, you used to say, Neil, you're a machine. And I'd say, Kev, no, I'm not. It's just what you do. Um, yeah. But now but now the tables have turned. You are the machine. The Fujicast. The machine of Mullins. Yeah. There's no stopping this boy. Covid catch-up. Yeah, Covid catch-up. Cer- certainly won't be happening next year, that's for sure. Well, we hope not. <laughs> No, it definitely won't no, be. No, no. Right, well, welcome to the uh, the Fuji Cast. Another week of um, fun and frolics in the Fuji Cast land. You and your questions from our electronic mailbag, and of course, also through the Fuji Cast private Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of. But if you want to send your, uh, your questions in the old fashioned way, then send them to click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, this week also, it's, uh, it's part one of um, Ask Andreas. Um, a chance to pose questions to a group marketing manager for Fujifilm, Andreas Georgiadis. And you've, uh, you've, certainly, you've certainly sent a few in over the last week and a bit. Kev's book of the week this week. Kev, what do we have? Well, actually, it's not technically a book. Oh. Um, so it's called Hey, Look at This, Volume 1. By by our friend uh, Dennis Skyam 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 yeah yeah it's oh. not a published thing yet but maybe it will be so we're going to talk about that anyway he sent us two copies has he right okay and you've you've got but are you selling one and keeping one are yeah you, I'm going to put one on eBay you eBay one <laughs> thanks Kev um yes and that's it that's what's in uh, there's always something else we do have I missed something out there no oh bump to the fronts. In fact, Dennis Guy yes, had a question. Yeah, he had one in, in yeah. uh, Bump to the Front, didn't he? Um, do you, um, and I, for some reason, I can't. I can't. See, you you have control of the uh, the Patreon. Kev has control, but but you can't seem to find Dennis's question. None of us can find Dennis's question. What happened? <laughs> no, yeah. I, I have it. So what happened was Dennis emailed and said, "Guys, did you answer this or did I just miss it?" And so I looked. I got that message, but there is no the question he posted yeah. is not is not there. But luckily, he included it in his in his message, which very weird. Uh, Patreon does some weird things. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for those that do support us on Patreon, of course. Um, and uh, this is one of the benefits you can have your question read out first before anybody else, as yeah. long as we get to know about it. So what did he ask, Kev? What did he ask? What's in the box? Don't look in the box. I love. This is quite uh, quite apt, really, considering what we're doing for the book. I love photography books, and I'm in the process of making one myself. Boom. Boom, Um, But what makes a good photo book? I picked up Joshua K. Jackson's book, Sleepless in Soho. And while I like the excellent nostalgia he captures in his work, I most definitely do not like the book. There's an odd layout with blank pages, weirdly placed spreads, and it seems like the back page is actually a front cover. Uh, So what? for you makes a good book um then he goes on to say obviously the work has to be good but what are some of the hallmarks of a good photography book in your mind should there be text accompanying company in the images uh two-page spread images or not a foreword about the photographer should i put a close-up of my nostrils as the cover so on and so forth <laughs> cheers dennis 
I, I like books to be pretty plain. They've been the inspiration for my documentary wedding books I do for clients, really, and the reason why I, I use text. Um, I was kind of driven by that. There was a, a book by Robin Bell, which I've spoken to you before, who's this extraordinary um, printer out of London. Robin Bell, I think he's just simply called Robin Bell's Silver, or oh, I won't be able to find it quickly if I look. I think it's called Silver Print. I think so. That's great because it's just simply one, normally one picture per page with a little bit of text, if it's necessary, with some with some context. And another similar one, similar vein. Um, have, have we had this as a book of the week before? Because I'm doing this in, in my little book thing that I do on my Patreon on on Photography Daily, which is um, uh, which is Zach Walters' Birdmen. That that's just that's sitting here. Have you have you read Birdmen before? Zach Walters. I don't think so. It's, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I know you love nostalgia, so maybe it's one I should um, I should send to you so we could do it as a as a book because this is a book about well, so I, I suppose the eccentricity of of those that look after and race pigeons. Um, so it is men, it is bird men. It's mainly men from from this particular the racing pigeon story really, and and it is simply one beautiful sort of black and white, very nostalgic picture per page and sometimes some text to accompany it to explain what the devil is going on, especially on the page where there's a man praying to his pigeons that they may return. That's the, that's a very the, good uh, friend of mine's mum does that, actually. What? Uh, his name's Shrek, but Shrek. his mum does it. His dad used to do it, and then his dad died, and now his mum does it. Oh, they're right. From Leeds. Well, the bird women, then. No, they're not from Leeds. Where are they from? They're from, he'll kill me if I say Leeds, uh, somewhere up north. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, that's a... You sound like a proper southerner saying that. You're, you're not a southerner. Somewhere up north. It's north of well, Watford. He's from up north. Then he moved yeah. to Barry Island. So he's got this very weird accent and he looks like Shrek. Right. <laughs> he's got everything going for him, that lad. <laughs> but but I, I've gone off on a tangent. Um, one of my no normal ones. Those two books to me, though, Kev, they're winners. They both have a clear story about those, those features and the subject that's photographed. They both happen to be black and white. So I'm not constantly switching my colour emotions. Um, cohesive, supporting text in subtle amount. That's very considered too. I like a book which is typographically beautiful to the eye. It's all part of the design. So uh, yeah, but it sounds to me like like uh, Kev Joshua's book has has challenged Dennis a little in terms of of layout. Yeah, I mean I haven't seen Josh's book at all, so I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean I mean it's pretty straightforward. I would say with the book, if it makes you, if it jars the eyes when you're turning the pages, then something's not quite right. You know, when you when they talk about composition in photography, composition in in book, especially printing uh, layouts and stuff, is is as important, I suppose, when it comes to actually creating a book. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the um, single image, and uh, I don't mind blank pages. I don't mind title pages. Ages. Um, but the, the, the simpler the better for me for sure yeah I think just as important as the layout is the is the quality of the print is the um, the texture the feel of it that kind of stuff is important too mm. um, if you've got a if you're printing a vertical book uh, you know like uh, a4 size kind of thing and it's vertical then um, you know and you've got mostly horizontal images then possibly worth reconsidering that because obviously you're going to have smaller images spread mm. you know all, all those kind of things are important if it if it doesn't feel quite right when you're glancing across it with your eyes just like 
um, we do with images or just like I do with images. If you want to figure out whether a book flows well when you're reading it, open it upside down and just flick through the pages and see if your eyes are immediately drawn to where they should be going or whether they're darting all over the place. Yeah. And if they're darting all over the place, then there's probably something wrong in the in the construction of the of the layout. I like square format books. Yeah, because I don't mind them as yeah. long as they as long as they don't then break the spine with the spreads. Well, with, yeah, the Birdman book does. Um, but I just found this book. Robin Bell's, it's not silver print. Silver print, of course, is where you go to get your printing supplies in London. Silver footprint. Robin Bell's Silver Footprint, 35 Years of Dark Rim Printing. It's probably one of my favourite photographic books, and it, it features the work that he's printed for people like, oh, God, I mean, where do you start? Bob Carlos Clark, Bill Brandt. I mean, they're, they're, it's just a, it's a list of famous names. Tom Stoddart is in there. Oh, look. Brian Adams, he still owes me 20 quid. <laughs> um, the, the images that he's printed in here, almost every page you turn and you think, oh, I know that picture. Oh, yeah, or oh, that one. Oh, he did that one, or she did that one. Amazing book. But that, that, for me, is just simple. One picture, one page, a little bit of text and context if necessary. Good. Good. Put that You'll go. Um, hello, guys, from Matthias Fox. Question for Kev. Since he uses the GFX100, don't you miss the quality of the GFX files when using the smaller Fuji cameras? I use X-Pro3s as well as the uh, GFX, uh, GFX50S, and as much as I hate the hassle, uh, weight, bolt, lack of AF performance, with the GFX I really enjoy the images it produces. When using smaller cameras, the quality is totally fine, but, but knowing what a GFX can offer, it leaves me wondering if I should sell my... Pro 3s and dive into the GFX system completely. Best regards, thanks for the, for, for the efforts from Matt. But of course, it's all, you know, a lot of this, you wouldn't want to lug around a GFX to your weddings, that's for sure. No, exactly, yeah, it's all, it's all within context. That's a little bit like asking a farmer, you know, when he goes shopping to Tesco's, does he not miss using his tractor? Um, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's horses for courses, isn't it? You know, he could use his tractor and just drive over the traffic in front of him and get there and it'll be great. Um, but actually, you know, if he wants to do a long distance on the motorway and get there really quick, he wants to jump in his little Ford Cortina. So, yeah, Ford he, Cortina, they, they both have Kev? different... Where's the last <laughs> farm you saw? They all have Range Rovers. Uh, yeah, not, not proper working farms. Posh, posh farms around you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, they're not all like Clarkson with his Lamborghini um, tractor, I'm sure. God knows how much that cost. Yeah, that's a good program, though. Yeah, uh, very funny. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my my take on that. I don't use GFX at weddings, um, and I don't really look at my wedding images and think, "Oh, I wish that was a hundred megapixel picture." Yeah. Um, just doesn't really cross my mind. If I was only doing portraits or I was only doing commercial work, then I would probably only use the GFX. Um, but that said, I've just bought an XT4. So that's what I'll be using for, for this season's weddings, along with my X-Pro3. Kev said to me, I hope it makes me a better photographer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what happens, isn't it? You buy a new camera and you get better. Yeah. Well, that's, you, that's the plan, isn't it? It's the switch, isn't it? There's another switch on it. Better photographer. Better photographer plus. <laughs> and with each one that comes along, plus, plus, plus. Keep turning that dial. I do miss the photometry dial on the X-T4, though, I have to say. I've had to pop it on a custom button. Have you? Where, whereabouts on the camera? Have you put uh, on the top top one on the right hand side, which is where I have it on all the other cameras that yeah. don't have a photometry dial anyway, so it's no big shakes, but it's uh, you know it's just just one more thing to think about. Well, sent sent to test you, Kev, but but as long as you have your better photographer button assigned, I'm I'm sure you'll fly. Yeah. Um, Summit, 
Summit. Now, that's happened. Um, happened last week. It revealed lots of goodies, some of which I'll talk about with Andreas and Ask Andreas Part 1 today. For for those, though, who've never attended, Kev, those who are maybe new to these parts, to this town, um, tell us what the Fujifilm Summit is. Uh, a summit in terms of Fujifilm is the, what they call the Fujifilm X Summit. Um, I think they've done like three or four of them now. Usually they're in, um, uh, well, a couple of them been in Japan. They had one in London a couple of years ago. And then this one, uh, this year's one is virtual. So, um, and it's all to do with the uh, the now newly announced um, stuff, yeah. the swag that was announced last week. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I did I did a chat with them for the X Summit this year. Um, and of course, the annoying thing, obviously, is that had it not been for f-ing COVID, I'd, I'd have been in Tokyo doing that chat with oh, them probably. Wow. Would you? But, yeah, yeah. They, they they when you're in the X Summit, when you're in the summit, you you know you get to go that get to go there physically i remember once i was invited and i couldn't go because i had a wedding as well so bert stefani went in my place (laughs) (laughs) and it was live it was live on youtube they did the x summit live and uh so as he was doing his talking i was buzzing his phone (laughs) i could see him tweet on his on his on on the camera going with my phone's ringing Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's it. Some, it's just just as it says, really. You know, it's uh, they they will interview the photographers that are involved in the launches. Um, they will probably show some pictures, and then the um, the product leads, the product guys, marketing people in Tokyo will will also um, spend some time talking about the um, the, the development of these uh, cameras and lenses and various things like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's uh, I haven't seen the one yet, but it's it's usually a couple of hours long. Um, usually live, but as I said, it won't. They, they, I would imagine the Japanese element of it will be live, but then they will they will cut into the interviews and stuff yeah. that they did. When you go to these summits, Kev, do, do they? Do, is it no expense spared? Marlins is coming over. Give them first class cabin. <laughs> Not quite. Um, they really look after you when you get there. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun. It's really really yeah, good. It's hard work though. Often, I mean, not so much the summits, but the. The summits are usually, you know, kind of you come in on one day, you do your summit and then you go home the next day kind of thing. But when you go on the occasions that I've been over there to do kind of businessy stuff, talk about things and what have you, then it's, you know, it's it's kind of morning, you know, dawn till dusk meetings and, yeah. you know, in, in boardrooms type thing. It's, uh, and then after that, it's it's when they look after you. Yeah, They do love their karaoke, don't they, still? Yeah, you've, you've been to a few karaoke bars. I'd love to see. I'd pay to see Mullins do karaoke. <laughs> yeah. I thought you. I thought you were flown out there all, all no expense spared. Because uh, yeah, have you ever seen that sa- uh, that YouTube channel by a guy called I think it's Sam Chewy Chewy. Ch- uh, I'm sure it is. Who flies all over the world in uh, in first class making YouTube films? What a way to earn a living! I think he was a banker at some stage, and he sort mm. of mixed in his two his two passions. He makes some some. Uh, I mean, he's not he's not a great filmmaker. But but it's the experience of going along with him. He flew on something called the Residence, which is um, I think it's only on Etihad, which is it is just one part of the aircraft is given over. It's an apartment in essence. It's a bit like flying on Air Force One. It's got its own bed, its own shower room, its own living room, <laughs> its own butler. Yeah. Twenty thousand twenty thousand dollars for one flight. I can think of better things to do with twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I I, I get it. You know, a lot of these people get get these things for free, don't they? Because of the exposure they give them. So it's fair play. Good for them. But yeah, I I don't particularly like flying anyway. So I I wouldn't really. I have flown um, business class several times. Yeah. And I I did fly once first class on Alitalia, 
which was very nice. Seat one, one A. Um, but you know, it's normally I just I see the fact that there's a bed. I get on. I have a couple of bottles of wine, stick a couple of dads of pans in me, get the bed out, and then <laughs> Kev, wake up no. about 10 minutes before landing. This is not the way you're supposed to. Yeah, all right. Do not take that as a flying tip. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> worse. No responsibility at all on that one. Right, do you want to do a question? Yeah, okay. So this is uh, from the Facebook group, Paul Waring, and he says, hello to both of you. Mm. Um, my better half has a friend with a 16-year-old son who has just finished his school years and has decided he wants to be a photographer. I've been asked what advice I would give a total newcomer who plans to have a career in shooting photos. He's not really sure which direction he wants to head in, so my advice was simply to get in and fall in love with the craft and enjoy it first. What would be your advice be? Complete, completely open to whoever is going to part money to pay you, pay you for what you're doing and just go and do everything. Do schools, do portraits, do weddings, do it. Yeah, but then will, if he's only 16, will that, that's unlikely oh, to 16, happen. And also, sorry, yeah, he's yeah. he's going to fall out of love with it pretty soon, isn't he? If he's just to, you know, whipping the commercial hide, so to speak. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I didn't take account of age there, did I? I know. But, but I know whether, whether, I don't know whether you would necessarily know what's going to be your thing when starting out. It's, not a case of flogging yourself to exhaustion, but when it, when you have that youthful energy, Kev, and an inquiring mind, surely, surely opening that mind to opportunity everywhere. Where, where there's only one time in your life before a mortgage hangs itself round your neck to try to try stuff before age butts in and starts closing doors for you. And there's the, I suppose, there's the assisting route of, of uh, as well. Or, or is that is that becoming much harder to find? I think for portraits and kind of commercial studios and stuff like that, you can you can easily assist generally. Yeah. For no or very little money, yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly for weddings and stuff. Although I, you know, I, I would hazard a guess that a sixteen-year-old lad, uh, certainly as he gets through the next three or four years, is not going to want to spend his Saturdays at someone else's wedding. Uh, you know, he's going to want to be out with his mates. So um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I thought about this question when it came through, and, and my, my thought process was actually, first of all, before thinking about making money out of it actually find something that you enjoy because uh, you know I kind of I disagree to a certain extent with you in terms of just go and do stuff because I just think you know if I'd started by doing standard weddings with loads of group shots I would have just given up after a couple no, of weeks but he wouldn't be doing that sort of thing he would he would be having the fun of being the documentary photographer he's not going to be the one he's not going to be a primary shooter this this is this is your apprenticeship yeah but what I'm saying is I would suggest at that point that he finds a style or a genre rather than a style that he's he's really keen on you know whether that's fashion whether that's sports whatever um you know without without knowing really what you're interested in it's it's too broad a church. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying go out and do everything, Kev, because he doesn't know yet. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Do 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 everything, and then <laughs> and then get another job. <laughs> no, Kev, but that's experience, isn't it? Of throwing the net out. Yeah, but it's seeing different when it's art. I think if it's art, you don't. You know, you're not gonna. He he may already have a, an idea of. You know, I want to be a. Uh, you know, I'm really interested in runway photography, or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's just pointless, I think, concentrating on other stuff. If you know, if he if he if he knows that, I, I just don't think you can say you want to be a photographer. Uh, to me, that's a little bit like saying I want to be a musician. What or, or, or do you want to play? Uh, everything, all of it. I don't know all of it. I'm just going to try it all. 
um, you know, you've got to have some kind of interest in the piano or the guitar or voice or, or you know, or accordion, whatever. Um, it's too broad to be able to just say, yeah, I'm going to be. Yeah, it's, it's it's like that that age old question we get asked all the time, isn't it? You know, what do you do for a living? And and we kind of um and ah before we say wedding photographer, yeah. and often we just say photographer. And if you say photographer, guaranteed, ninety nine percent of the time, the next question is, oh, what type of photographer? Yeah, you know. So if you said to, if you answered it by saying wedding photographer, they wouldn't ask you what type of photographer. Yeah. So you well, know, I, I wonder think, what I, I think well, that's kind of important. I, in that case, then I wonder what he is into. Because if he's into, as you, if he's into cycling, maybe, then go and photograph his mates on the BMX tracks and and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, whatever he's interested in now is is likely to be what he'd be interested in photographing for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, here's oh, here's this is from our old mate Pascal Diamond. It's not really a question, Kev. It's more a it's more a thought. Uh, more, a, more a ponder, he says. We have a camera and lens quality beyond what the vast majority of people require. The level of tech in cameras, desktops, laptops, tablets exceeds what was going on 10 to 15 years ago by a massive amount. But we truly don't have a safe medium in digital. Our cards can corrupt on a whim. HDD and SDD drives are liable to fail and we have to invest an awful lot of money to buy more drives to have backups of backups and so on. Cloud storage cost too is almost as unsafe. Could they have a data breach in your login details? Could that be hacked? When we used film, once it was processed, it was filed in sleeves, which cost buttons and really didn't need any other special ways to store them. This allows the negs and transparencies to be retrieved, to be scanned or sent to a lab for printing, unless there's a fire in the property or serious flooding. Those negs and transparencies will still be there for many years to come and won't get corrupted or suffer from data breaches. You would imagine that all the major tech companies should be trying to develop a safe way to store all our digital files, shouldn't they? Without the fears that we have... Uh, regarding our uh, our precious memories in my head that's more important than trying to design a lens that's got only slightly better af than its predecessor mm, well i mean if you look was it sony or rca records can't remember who had that flood about 15 years ago 10 years ago and lost absolutely loads of um samples and mm. b-sides and mm. whatever um i know nancy griffiths records went so i think some of the beatles stuff went a load of um, George Michael's stuff went. Um, all of that was in the process of being digitized and hadn't been. So that, that's gone for good. And now, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a rare, rare event. And, you know, you, these days they, they shouldn't be, these things shouldn't be happening. But it does. And, and you know, I don't think you can, you can get any safer than we have right now. I mean, you know, back it up in different cloud spaces. Yeah, of course, some of those might go to business overnight or whatever, but you have it somewhere else. It, it's an evolving world. There's, I don't think it's, it's certainly not the camera manufacturer's responsibility to figure that stuff out. I don't know, in a halcyon world, you know, if this was utopia, you know, in 25 years time, maybe all you, you just, whatever you drop onto your computer is immediately put into some archive online. Yeah. But it's always going to be online, isn't it? It's, it's always going to be online now going forward. And and who's to say that if Google are involved in that, then, you know, they don't go pop and a lot of people don't trust Google. And yeah, it's, there's, I don't think there's a there's a kind of an answer to that question, just apart from being diligent and using the technology that's available at the time. At the time of print, that was the technology that was available. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's not now. And and these days, how many people still develop their own prints, scan, and then digitally archive them as well for an extra backup? Well, and the photographers you talk to who um, talk about having a processing disaster—they've cooked the film as, as they're deving it. 
And they're like, oh, no, you know. Oh. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't without its uh, problems. You could, you could still... Giles is, um, at the moment, my good friend Giles is going through his, his entire archive. And we were talking the other day, he said, I just, I'm missing, like, years. I don't know what's happened to these negs. Don't know where they've gone. Yeah, that, that that's the kind of thing, isn't it? But I mean, ultimately, you know, it's a tiny worry that things could go missing, but not a huge worry for me. But I don't think it's the camera manufacturer's responsibility to figure that stuff out. Do you, you back up Personally. everything into the cloud? Don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just got everything. All my wedding work is is backed up onto um, Dropbox, and then I also have Backblaze, which just sits there and backs up absolutely everything. Yeah. Just keeps going it's like a good old friend in the background peddling for as long as you want back back blaze now is that cheaper than it used to be it used to be enormously expensive didn't it i don't know it's really cheap i can't remember how much it is i think it's like 70 70 quid a year or something yeah that's not much at- and how much do you get for 70 quid how much unlimited just is it unlimited point at whatever you point at how many drives you want it'll just keep keep uploading them terabytes and terabytes and they won't say excuse me mullins we we believe you're taking no, a mickey none whatsoever oh. yeah totally unlimited perfect Perfect. It's not like Dropbox, though. You can't just log on. You can't just go onto a drive and download some stuff off there. You know, you you have to you have to jump through some hoops to get stuff back. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's a fail-safe, happy medium for me. Do you have to buy it back if if you want no. to get no 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 no? Okay. no. I mean, the only if you wanted to get gig terabytes back then what you do is you um you buy a uh, a hard drive off them effectively and they'll post you the hard drive but if you send the hard drive back to them then they refund you so it's it's not not like dropbox or google drive where you can just go and see your files and drag them across okay no 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 no. well i mean if if you're paying what is uh, i think in essence for digital storage that's unlimited peanuts then yeah it might even be less than that. I'm going to have a quick look while we're here now. Backblaze pricing. Uh, yeah, there you go. $70 a year. So, or you can do $130 every two years. Right. So, there you go. And I pay a little bit extra for the um, the retention. So, if you delete a file off your computer, it will delete it off your Backblaze account after 30 days. Right. So you've got 30 days to go, oh, shit, I deleted something I didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, but I have I pay a little extra, which I think is a dollar a month or something for um, one year. For one, oh, well, it's tension. It's yeah. all right, isn't it? Okay, um, I think we've got time for one more before Andreas answers his first questions that you've kindly sent in via Facebook. Kant uh, Rathood says, Hi, Kevin and Neil, although technically he's really pointing this at me. Did anything happen with the print swap idea from a few months back? Tar. Oh, yeah. Um, Good memory. uh, No, nothing (laughs) happened. Well, it started, didn't it? Yeah, I I will still do it. I, um, yeah, we did it. We had quite a lot of people enter, so I must, I must follow up on that, but I will do it. Um, Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, I need to, the hard part was trying to figure out who was in the same geographical location as each other. Yeah. Um, because of all the postage issues between Europe and everything, but they've mostly been resolved now, I think. So um, maybe we'll just randomise it, and, and if you end up with somebody who's who's abroad, you're, that's the way it is. Um, but yes, I will do it. I promise. Thank you, Kant, and what a good memory. Um, right, yeah, never mind. <laughs> it's it's time for the. Well, we've done this. How, how many times have we done this now? Two or three times, I think. Ask Andreas, haven't we? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, when we did the live show in London, he it was sort of an Ask Andreas then as well, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. Some so, so this is part one of uh, the latest tranche of uh, Ask Andreas. He, I mean, what Andreas doesn't know isn't worth knowing, is it? I know that's an old cliche, but it's certainly true, isn't it, Kev? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, technical technical stuff, corporate stuff, ideas. Um, he is the he is the group marketing manager now for Fujifilm. So here's part one then of uh, our chat with Andreas. Andreas, I would imagine you are a man in much need of sleep. Uh, I've, I've had more relaxing Fridays. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, um, I mean, obviously the summit has just gone, so you, yeah. you must be dealing with. I was going to say fallout, but that's the wrong word because there were so many really nice things that were were introduced, and uh, the tilt shift, which we'll come to, was mooted yeah. as well. Uh, after all this time of people requesting it. So actually, has your feed been full of? But when's it coming out? Yeah, nat- naturally, you get three sort of standard responses, uh, questions after after an X summit. Give me details about all the stuff that you've sort of like teased me with. Why haven't you talked about stuff you haven't talked about? Yeah. I I wanted this lens to come out, or I wanted this camera to be announced, or stuff like that. Or X Y Z product you've announced is great or XYZ product you've announced is rubbish. Right. Everyone is an expert without touching the product. Yeah. It's amazing. And of course, those that uh, were waiting for, I mean, I was waiting for a certain camera that wasn't necessarily announced within the summit. You've got those as well, haven't you? Yeah, but the, the thing is, obviously, next year is the 10th anniversary of X-Series, so we, we have to have something for that. Yeah. And um, both uh, Udona-san and the Garashi-san, they, um, at the end of the uh, summit, they, they teased... A uh, new sensor yeah. technology. So yeah. Well, well, let's bash on with the questions because there's there's quite a few, and I, I've got a few from the summit as well, if you don't mind. Um, but yeah, sure. Let's start with Richard Maud. When will the Fuji camera remote app be improved? He could have actually written that in capital letters, and you'd have expected it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can sense that. Um, I, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when the the, the camp the camera remote app is something of uh, great uh, debate yeah. amongst uh, users that, that love it and, and hate it and from from my perspective I, I have never not been able to connect any user's camera or my own cameras to the camera remote app but mm-hmm. I understand that there is a frustration amongst users out there that it should be easier, it should be slicker, um, and that is always fed back to uh, the team in Japan. With each passing generation of camera and firmware updates, the stability of the app improves. So I I would say, yes, um, an update will come, but as and when. It's always difficult for me to say specifically when something will happen when we haven't officially announced it. So, What are most people's um, perceived problems with it? Is it connection? Is it What are people, what are people mainly whinge about? So, specifically with the Fujifilm camera remote app, what people find most frustrating is the reliability of the connection yeah. when having the, the live stream. So, so having the, the feed on your phone um, that, that's coming through on the camera, so being able to control it, um, so using it as a, a wireless remote. You get people complaining about the fact that it's not reliable in terms of that connectivity when you want to transfer images and things like that. But mainly it's when using it as a wireless remote trigger yeah. um, that most people's frustration stems. What my advice has always been to people with camera remote app is 
what have what i found over the years is when there has been an android or ios update um when there's a new version of the app or when there's a firmware update something happens yeah. with the existing connection that isn't very reliable and my recommendation has always been to people delete the pairing uh, if you've got connectivity issues delete the app delete the pairing from your camera and start again. Start again. And as I said, any customer that's ever come to me at a trade show or the house photography, I have never not been able to make their camera connect yeah. to the app. Rob Wiskin, probably a silly question, he says, but is it all at all possible to get the tra- the, the Trans One sensor in a new model with some of the improvements made with the new models? Asking um, as, as the sensor seems to be the most most people's favourite in terms of colour and film look, and it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think is it possible. Well, nothing's really impossible when it comes to putting a processor with with a sensor. Is it probable? No, not at all. And the thing is, you you look at something like the GFX 50S Mark II that was announced yesterday or or on the 2nd of September, because this obviously goes out slightly later. And we have done exactly that. We've matted the latest generation um, processor with what some would perceive as a previous generation sensor, because ultimately that sensor is still in production. That sensor still gives very, very good quality. I think that if we tried to do that with anything else, it would become very, very niche. Yeah, and as you say, that you've got the X Pro One, X M One, and I want to say X E One all use that original X Trans um, sensor. You've yeah. got you've got those people that, that say it gives a look and it gives a sort of like filmic quality. I have assumed in the past that it's because um, there are no phase detection pixels, um, so you don't have additional gaps in between the the, the pixels. But yeah. I, I I honestly don't know why it is. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned the 50s too. That, that's out. It was expected, wasn't it? We talked. We we talked about the GFX on the show recently, and it, it really would be a beautiful piece of kit. We said if all those architectural photographers could could at last have their tilt shift, yeah, and their, their prayers have been answered, haven't they? They they are being answered. I suppose is the best way to say it because yeah. obviously we've added the um, tilt shift lens to the development roadmap. Right. Um, so sometime in 2023, and uh, tilt shift lens will be coming out for the gfx system 2023 it's all about prioritizing and and resources and and all that sort of thing we can't have everyone wants everything immediately and and this is the the frustration when you are trying and be open and you announce a roadmap and you say listen guys this is what we're working on and this is what's coming and those people that wanted a super wide telephoto zoom are jumping up in the air for joy and those people who wanted the tilt shift sooner are frustrated so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't with these lens roadmaps well what's the difference about the the s2 um i I like the idea i was watching the the summit and they said you'll see more shadow within shadow and definitely more highlights within highlights and then and then showed us some examples which looked pretty good didn't they it's 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 the it's the the old white to white sort of like uh, <laughs> right, marketing yeah. tagline isn't it <laughs> yeah um ultimately what, what we've done is we've got the 50 megapixel sensor that we yeah. first uh, introduced from the 50s um so it'll be four and a half years ago so like when we introduced the the 50s and we've put that into the latest generation body so mm-hmm. the body that we developed for the gfx 100s and all the benefits that come with it be it the ibis system be it the smaller form factor um the quieter shutter um the the newer battery the USB-C charging all, all those sorts of benefits and then new processor yeah. as well so so you basically turn up that what that sensor can do up to 11 <laughs> a lot of people want high resolution 
don't need 100 megapixels, don't want to spend five and a half thousand pounds. So, so you need to find some sort of middle ground. So bringing that GFX 50 megapixel um, sensor bang up to date in terms of the body that's being used and, and what it can do. Is, is what the 50s mark ii is all about and, and that's a good point andreas which was and, and i and you can see this in the summit film replay which we'll link to it was supported by and I'm, I'm embarrassed that the guest's name is running rings around my recall right now and escaping my outstretched tag arm ah it, it'll come to me but she she made a very good point that she didn't need any more than this magical 50 yeah sarah lando um, yeah, one right. of our italian uh, yeah. photographers yeah. um yeah so so we've we've worked with sarah for, for many years and uh as you say, that there is a sweet spot of mm. what what people want to work with, and and it's all well and good saying I want more pixels and I want um, more dynamic range and all this, but the the downsides of that is the processing power it will take and the what the impact that will have on your workflow. If you're working on a hundred, one hundred megapixel raw files or fifty megapixel raw files, you, mm. it's not going to take as much processing time. So um, that there are there are pros and cons to to working with with higher megapixels. She said that, didn't she? that uh, 50 megapixels is just about right for her for her computer yeah. equipment that she had. Yeah. Um, 4,499 US dollars as a kit will marry up your camera bag to the, to the, the new 35 to 70 lens, which is uh, incredible value to, to get you into the large mm. sensor game. But what's the cost going to be in Europe? So in Europe, we've got um, 4,499 euros mm-hmm. and we've got um, in the UK 3,899 pounds. So less than four thousand pounds, less than four and a half thousand euros for a larger sensor camera with a lens. Do you think that um, those with full frame may may now think, oh, this is the time I can step across to the larger sensor? Yeah, switching systems is never a, a cheap thing. No, um, and and it's always been a barrier of the GFX system, be it the price of the camera itself, or be it the price of the lenses. And and we obviously when we brought out the GFX system. Um, four and a half years ago the challenge was to make a larger sensor camera for same size and weight as a full frame dslr and obviously those goalposts have moved so we've had to move with them and the new challenge was how do we make um, a gfx camera and lens for less than four and a half thousand dollars and we've we've done that with the 50s mark ii i think that it definitely makes people think like like anything you can't say that the 50s mark ii is perfect for everybody but for the majority of landscape um studio portrait photographers where it's a more controlled environment definitely the 50s mark ii um makes people um should make people think twice about switching to get that better dynamic range that um lower noise the the better resolution etc there was some news um for the GFX, which particularly took my fancy and interest as a filmmaker, a breakout box for XLR balanced sound inputs, which I thought, oh, at long last. Although I was disappointed to see that it's probably going to be GFX only. So on on that, so about, oh, I think it was the 18th of August, we had um, Tascam announce the um, XLR balanced input so like, right. yeah. adapter. Yeah. Um, and that will be compatible, right, Technically, it's compatible with any camera that's got a three and a half mil right. jack. Yeah, but from a digital recording perspective, both power and transferring the information digitally, the XT4 and the XS10 will be the cameras that are compatible with it, subject to a f- firmware update. So, mm. so, but at this moment in time, they're the only two right. that okay. we've been told are will be compatible with it from a digital perspective. So, the transfer of information from the camera to the um, sound recorder will be digital. Um. 
James Souls, is there anywhere that Andreas recommends to have discontinued Fujifilm gear fixed? I could do with a new screen for my X70. So the thing about, uh, so specifically about any discontinued product, the, the best place in the UK to get any of your, your products repaired is the camera repair team in mm. Bedford. Mm. By far, they, they are best technicians for the product. The issue that we have specifically with the X70 is that the screens were went out of production soon after the camera was discontinued. So yeah. we bought all the spare screens that we could, but there are some limitations in terms of what we can and can't repair so specifically the x70 is a bit of a problem child when it comes to getting um lots of repairs done on that so so best thing for him to do is to speak to them at least speak to them uh speak to the team in bedford um or or drop them an email and find out what they can or can't repair um on the x70 um, and in terms of delivery, um, we, we've got lorry gate going on in the UK at the moment with all sorts mm. of delivery problems. Is that likely to affect anything at Fujifilm? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I can't think of anything we haven't had this year with regards to uh, trying to affect the deliveries. We had the global semiconductor shortage, which, which started impacting us around um, March, April time. So every consumer electronics product has has had an issue we've now got lorry gate which will affect deliveries more and more in the run up to christmas mm. um we i mean i've gone to supermarkets and seen shelves that are empty yeah. and, and things yeah. like that no one is immune to any of these sorts of issues unless they have their own private delivery <laughs> transport network mullins would mullins would yeah, I mean, <laughs> granted, yeah, he'd yes. just get things airdropped by by drones, wouldn't he? <laughs> but um, so, so from from that respect, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and scaremonger people and say no. everyone has to order stuff now if they want to, if they want it, sort of thing. And then there are, there are no issues. Exactly how the details of which I I don't know. I'm, Thankfully, I don't get involved too much in the logistics and operations of, of, of things. I'm not sure whether, because there's some laughy, uh, smiley faces next to smiley emojis, if I get the correct uh, yeah. youth um, phrase. Uh, Jeremy Baker says, Fujifilm T-shirts and maybe an anorak, please. Um, <laughs> when? Really? Was he serious? So, a lot of people have asked us for merchandise. Oh, yeah. right, okay. so, so he's not alone. And it is something that I have toyed with. But like most things, to-do lists tend to get bigger and bigger and, and things that are yeah. a little a little bit frustrating so like that we can't bring them to market. Um, I know our friends in Canada used to have a big range of merchandise. They, they've closed down that side of the shop and I'm trying to work out why they closed it. I mean, everyone um, loves to support um, brands that they love. So maybe. But buying jackets and stuff, I can see people might, might like that. Fujifilm jackets. The, the, the thing the the thing that always scares me about things like jackets is which sizes do you order um how many of each do you get and and sitting on minimum order quantities and, yeah. and stuff like that it f- from my product manager days it just i just shudder when when i think of ordering jackets t-shirts baseball caps because yeah. because uh, you can't you can't oh, yeah. dig half a hole you have to go all in um steve ford what would andreas perfect camera and lens combination be of kit currently available you've got a load of cameras behind you which are slightly out of focus in the background so i can't see what you're pairing up there so the the camera that i have um so i've turned into what i would consider a lazy photographer (laughs) um because my daughter is the the main subject of my photographs uh recently so it's been XT4, 16 to 55, and 50 to 140 is what I have been 
taking with me in a think tank rucksack, yeah. urban disguise, whatever it is. Um, so that's what I've been using. On holiday recently, I found myself reaching for the X100V more yeah. because I couldn't be bothered to carry the T4 and the 1655, no. even though I've been using that more. So, and, and I'll and I'll be honest, and this will will shock people. It's I've never got on well with the X100 series cameras. Mm. I think psychologically, the leaf shutter and the sound it made just never sat right in my head because it's like the just the sh- sound yeah. rather than a, than an actual mechanical shutter. Yeah. So on holiday, I got over myself and I ended up shooting probably about 500 photographs with the X100V and about 30 with the X-T4. So so that that barrier has now come down. Yeah. But I came back from holiday and was chatting to a friend of mine and he goes, listen, I appreciate you're a lazy photographer and you are using a Zoom and a motor drive on a camera and it is like a proper spray and pray. And I spend more time deleting images where my daughter has blinked or, or like slightly out or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and he goes, you should not be a lazy photographer and you should just use a prime lens again. Because previous to that, I would only use a 23 mil and a 56 mil yeah. with 80% of my shots, if not more, on the 23 mil. I came back from holiday two weeks ago and I've only used an X-T4 with the 18 mil 1.4. And that's primarily because... I don't have a 23mm 1.4, the new 23mm 1.4 yet. Yeah. So what is my camera of choice? It's the X-T4 with an 18mm 1.4 right now. Had you asked me a month ago, it would have been an X-T4 with a 16-55. And had you asked me two weeks ago, it was an <laughs> X-100V. Were you using the uh, the electronic zoom on it? On the X-100V? On the X-100V, yeah. No, the, the, the feature that I thought the, the main feature of the, the reason why I kept on reaching for that instead of the XT4 was the built-in ND filter. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Um, yeah. Because I was uh, fortunate enough to brave the various regulations and quarantining and tests, and I managed to get to Cyprus. Yeah. So it changes, doesn't it, really, with... Uh... <laughs> it, it changes, yeah, based on based on scenario, and I'm, yeah. and I'm blessed to have the, the access to the kit that I have, but, yeah. Uh, that that's the kit that I I use and that would the, prob- the most because prob- of the the subject is is a three year old girl running around. God, she's three now. Can't believe that she's three. God, um, Curtis Perry, Fujifilm recently released an SDK for its uh, desktop software for digital camera control. What other opportunities does Fuji see in terms of working with the developer community, including mobile developers? For example, the Fuji X Weekly app is tremendously popular. Thanks for considering this, and thank you for the uh, the stellar podcast. Um, so, before people wanting to um, work with their own software and, and the camera would have to apply um, to us directly, we'd then have to send it over to to our colleagues in Japan, and yeah. they would review each application. And obviously, we've sort of like brought down those barriers as we know there's more so sort of like people wanting to develop their own software to work with our cameras and things yeah. like that. So, in terms of the future plans for opening up making it open source and things like that I personally i i don't know but i think we're heading in the right direction by making the accessibility to the sdk much more um open 
and I'd hope that, that we definitely work with more mobile developers uh, moving forward because that's the way the world is going. Are, are you more comfortable now as well? You must be, really, because we're seeing them with third-party uh, manufacturer lenses as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we are open to, to collaborating with, with a lot more people. Obviously, you look at um, the... XLR adapter that, that we're um, working in conjunction with the, the guys at Tascam. Yeah. Um, you're looking at the, the lens mount that's been opened up in terms of Tamron now developing a autofocus lens for us and the, the other likes of Giltrox and, and things, people like that. So I think that the team in Japan understand the needs for opening up the system to cater for lots more little pockets of users. Back compatibility one again, Tim Binder. I think I know what the answer is going to be to this, but will Fuji X Raw Studio ever support older cameras? XT1, X Pro One. I, I know that Tim's a user of the X Pro One. I don't think it will happen mm. based on the fact that it hasn't happened up until now. Um, it's very, very difficult to support legacy products. And I appreciate that the cameras still work, they still take great, great pictures, but you look at any software company after a while they, they just stop supporting a, a particular product and, and that's even the biggest one so like apple and and so like google after a while they, they can't put the latest software or they don't have a team of software engineers working on the older generation products and yeah. and it's strange to say old generation of products for something that's 10 years old but 10 years old in computer terms is, is sort of like 100 years old yeah. in sort of like mechanical terms, isn't it? I can't believe the 10-year anniversary is coming up for the system. It's gone quickly, isn't it? Yeah, we had 10 years of, of X100 yeah. um, past year, so yeah. yeah. Josiah Banya, um, supply chains. Oh, we are back to supply chains. Continue to be an issue for pretty much everything right now, but is there a timeline on when we'll start seeing the X100V and other recent products back in stock? The X100V has been back-ordered in my area for months. Now, I did ask him. I said, where, where is your area? And he didn't actually answer that. So I don't know the The, the challenge that you have whenever whenever something goes out of stock, yeah. it's, it's trying to predict the future of how many you need to make in order for it to fulfil. Put it this way. If you, at the beginning of September, have a 1,000 back-orders, yeah. and you know the factory takes, so like, from, from zero, if we had zero parts, zero stock on a good day, probably take us about three months mm. to get all the parts together. Okay. Obviously, we're never out of stock of absolutely everything. We're so like, we're waiting for a few key components. But if you had zero, you'd have like three months. So, what will happen is all the countries will put in a forecast and say, right, we need to make 3,000, yeah. for example. However, your 1,000 back order at the beginning of September by the time that three months elapsed, might become 5,000. And it's always a it's always a bit of a guessing game and it's an impossibility to predict. So if we look at start of September, there are 1,000 on back order. We're now at the end of November and we've supplied 3,000 mm. into the market. Mm. Okay, Some people will say, well, it's still out of stock because I haven't been able to supply all the back orders. So, so retailers will still show pre-order expecting delivery whatever else they, they might use for for out of stock. So th this is always the, the chicken and the egg scenario when it comes to things on back order and things that are out of stock. In terms of supply situation, we are we are getting constantly dribs and drabs of stock coming in every two to three weeks. Yeah. Are we getting enough to fulfill all back orders? No, because otherwise we'd be in stock of absolutely every single line. Um, but 
from from our perspective, the the team in Japan, it, not not a day goes past without them being told that they have to improve supply chain and things like that. But bearing in mind, this is happening across every single consumer electronics brand. You go onto Audi's website, for example, and the first thing you you notice when you go to configure is, I'm sorry, we're expecting delays on most of our products. Cars that were taking 12 weeks to produce are now taking six months. So it, it's not a Fujifilm problem. It is a, a global issue. But yeah, back, back orders and, and predicting how much stock you might need by the time the stock arrives in your channel is, is an art form. Yeah. James Sauls, I know it's asked every single time. James always asks uh, an asked every time question with each of these. At least he's consistent. <laughs> That's true. X80 or an update to the XF10? Big question mark. I'll have one. <laughs> That's not the answer. The, the, the thing is, I, I can never discuss products that haven't been announced. No, I know. So the only thing I can say to James is that him and, and Mr. Mullins are... Um, my first two customers, <laughs> if if one ever comes out, yeah, um, and, it, and it is something that, that we do refer to um, the, the engineers about to, to to add it to the roadmap possible. And that's part one of Ask Andreas. Part two concludes next week. And as you heard, Kevin, I mentioned before, we did of course have a, a live Q and A at the the House of Photography in London, literally weeks before COVID reared its unwelcome and ugly head in 2020. And uh, it is our intention, though, to return. If they'll have us back, of course, watch this space, as they say. Uh, Mondays, of course, we have our Fuji Car Show, and we're at episode 197, just a short skip away from the Big 200. We haven't planned anything particular for, for the Big 200. We're kind of waiting till we can all properly come out to play again. But we certainly may raise a, a tin of Bolton Hill wine in a, in a can, as they now sponsor, Incapable Staircase, which is where you will find Extra Mullins on a Thursday waiting for you on his uh, country music internet radio show at incapablestaircase.com at 3.30pm UK time. And then I have my extra podcast, Photography Daily, where on Fridays we take a, a microphone, a mailbag, and our cameras out on a photo walk. The only, only show like it in podcast sphere is the show you can take out on your own photo walks. It's driven by the views we see, the letters of inspiration you send, and words of encouragement from a, a wonderful lineup of guests. I'm fascinated by photographers who, photographers who can really sort of bear down and find a, a project, something that they can sort of focus on for an extended period of time and that they could have something visually to say. It's been amazing. Mm. This is the thing that I love to do. This was what drew me to photography. Just just that, those, those magic moments in the street that you can't orchestrate and can't find elsewhere. There's sometimes more power in an image when someone is looking into the camera. There were so many funny things that happened and I get to hold on to that. I get to keep that forever. Yeah. Which is what I love about photography and, and, and really all mediums that where you can capture information permanently. Because, you know, once the moment's gone, the moment's gone. If you want a big following, get naked or buy a puppy. I love to move and I, I do love the world and I love people and I love seeing things. So yeah, in that regard, I would say yes, being a photographer was a passport to the world. We've also just opened up our Community 365 and we have more news coming of Photo Walk Retreats. Photography Daily is available wherever you get your podcasts. Right, back to your questions. I think you did the last one, didn't you? 
indeed, indeed. Intriguing yeah. book of the week to come, by the way. A book that isn't a book yet. Correct. Mm. Um, this one's from Will Collin. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. Fascinated to hear that Kev has discovered he likes shooting with a shutter sound turned on with his X100V. We talked about that last week, I think, didn't we? Yeah. Or was it the week before? These weeks go past so quickly. I recently bought a second-hand X-E3, discovered its shutter is a lot louder than my X-T4. I turned off the synthetic shutter sound, and it's still loud. For a small mirrorless camera, its shutter seems almost as loud as an SLR. Personally, I'm rather pleased about that. I started out in photography, age 14 or 15, with a, a, an East German Praktika MTL3. I bet that clunked. That was mm. not a quiet camera, he says. I completely agree that the act of taking a photo feels more significant when the camera reacts in a physical way. The combination of the sound and slight vibration. I think the shutter sound on smartphones seems fake because it comes without any tangible sensation, which is a bit surprising because smartphone manufacturers know all about haptic feedback, little clicks and rumbles that phones make to reinforce the sense of something actually happening. Why don't camera makers add haptic feedback to the shutter release? They could maybe let you choose between different camera models. Depending on preference, you might choose to feel and sound like a Nikon F or a Leica M3 or a Canon A1. Uh, apparently, the Pentax 6.7 is said to sound particularly clunky in a good way. Actual question, finally, is this this might, might the loud shutter on my X-E3 actually be a symptom of some mechanical fault? Or are all X-E3s just a bit noisy? Will Collin. Now, did you at the beginning of that you said XE4 and then you ended up by saying XE3? No, he's got XT4. So he recently X- bought XT4. So no, he recently bought a second-hand XE3 and right. discovered its shutter is a lot louder than his XT4. Right. Okay. Mm. So the XT4 has a different shutter mechanism to the previous cameras, mm. and it is it does sound quite dampened. I would say mm. um, the XE3. I do not recall any of the Fujifilm cameras ever having a loud shutter. I really don't. It doesn't come to me as thinking that that should be loud. So unless you have it switched on, then I might just get that checked out because it shouldn't certainly shouldn't be anywhere near as loud as a, as a DSLR or anything like that. It's a good question, though, about the haptic feedback. That would be quite nice, being able to have this kind of little thing. But, of course, yeah. the, the, you know, the downside of that is, A, battery. You know, you can't... Uh, any kind of motion is going to affect battery. But also, motion is going to affect the, the photo taking. So, uh, you know, this is why often when, you know, using kind of older film cameras, they would often use shutter release um, technology and cables and everything like that to avoid the kaplunking, if you like. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I would just like them to get a really nice sound in, proper sound. But the haptic feedback, yeah, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. Yeah, not sure. Yeah, the haptic, would there would be some sort of movement, motion, yeah. as you said, going on. You're right. But, yeah. but it would be nice to be able to choose between shutter noise. What would you choose? I mean, I suppose that defeats the object. You bought Fujifilm, you want it to sound like a cannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not so much that. It's the you know, it, it's the. I'm not going to be using that that idea that I had at, at kind of weddings or anything like that because it just does go completely against the. It's the antithesis of why I invested in the Fujifilm system in the first place. But I have enjoyed doing it with my X100V just for kind of personal pictures. Um, it's that idea of kind of slowing down again, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, just making making it feel like the picture's been taken and you, you think a little bit more about it. In terms of sound, there's no, I don't know, I haven't got no idea about sounds of cameras. I've got a whole load of rangefinders sat on my desk behind me that I've never used. One of them, yeah. pick one of them. <laughs> I mean, this is the, the, the. I assume this is the sound, sa- same sound that you've got set up on your X100. That one. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not, it's like a, a splat to me. I'm, it's not. It's not the nicest sound. No, they're not great. They're not great. I'd like that to be. I don't know. Yeah, maybe an old Zenit. Yeah, was it maybe. an E a Zenit E? I definitely don't want it to sound like my old Canon systems. That would they just sound like scaffolding falling down? It was terrible. <laughs> they weren't that bad, Kev, were they? Yeah, they were. I yeah. think the one D was always quite loud, wasn't it? Yeah, that's why I had the one D yeah. Canon one D. Yeah, yeah. It was like. But um, as he said, Nikon, 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 they they do make they they're quite noisy. Some of their their cameras, the, the F. Or maybe that's a question for or we shall consider. Never, yes, we shall consider. It's never I think com- that means no. It's never yeah. coming this way. Right, Kev, you do a, a Facebook, then I, then we'll look at the book of the week. Okay, so um, there's a question here from uh, Nico Verbrugge. And he says, hi, sorry for my English. I'm from Belgium. Uh, I really enjoy the show, sometimes with a good Belgian beer. Good lad. Uh, I'm new in Fuji World, and I love it. I bought a second-hand X100F um, beginning of this year, and a few weeks ago, an X100V. Ooh. I have a question for Kevin. I love the Instagram picture of the camera bag. I do understand the cameras are tools, but don't you protect your glass? <laughs> this rumbles. Uh, kind of guards and Nico. No, I don't protect my glass. I don't use filters or anything. Yeah, that does worry me. He's right, you know, with the X100V, because that, that's very close, that that element, isn't it? I and mean, it wouldn't take much. You put some keys in your bag and the camera next to it, and that could easily get scratched, couldn't it? Don't you think, Kev? Yeah. Do you, I do you have a hood I mean, on I've it? had all five of the X100s. You've never had one? None of them have no. ever given me any problems no. with the glass. Do, I've never you, filtered any of them. You don't put any hoods or anything like that on them? Well, the hoods, the hoods on the X100s are the tiny little rain things, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't have them on either. Um, I like the square hood that that you can get for the X100s. Oh, I love that. The square hood was good. Yeah, that was good. Um, I, I kind of lost my one of those, I think. Yeah. But no, I mean, I will in the camera bag. When they're in the camera bag, they will probably have their uh, the caps on, the lens caps on. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when I'm shooting, no. No. I'm just getting. You're just looking at my bag now. I've got my, my old Domkey bag that I've had for decades is is looking very sad. None of the zips work anymore, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking I perhaps need a new camera bag as well. But I hate camera bags. What? I thought you loved them. You collected them up to only quite recently, no, and then you I've gave them all some, away to, yeah, to Dodgy Dave in the pub. I hate there's not the perfect one, is there? I just want one. I like my Dom key bag mm. because I've taken all of the crap out, so it just is a bag. The, the, a bag should be a bag, not a, not a department store. It's not a carrier bag, Kev. It's a camera bag. That's why yeah, it's divided. Uh, what I like about my Dom key is, yeah. the, is the pockets and the ah, zip at the back, but yes. my zip at the back is yeah. totally knackered, and it's got a little mesh thing inside. Yeah, but it looks well-travelled. I bet it's quite a cool camera bag. It does look well-travelled, yeah. But, yeah, when I'm walking around London with it and all my stuff's hanging out, the zip at the back is probably not a wise thing. Neil Ford has a, a – oh, I can't remember the type of it now, but it's a really good uh, really good bag that you can go into the side of it or the top or the – yeah. Uh, oh, I wish I could remember the type. Well, maybe maybe something more backpackish. Or no. Not really you? No? No. no. Never say the word backpack to me. Why? Why would you use a backpack as a wedding photographer? Do you, it just doesn't make any sense. You have to well, you you've do got have ar- point, your yeah. arms. Yeah. You have to be an octopus to get yeah. it off. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know. And then you thought, if I fell over with a backpack on, I'd be like a snail <laughs> upside down. Snail, my legs kicking, <laughs> okay. I'd be stuck. I've got a great big Tamron backpack that's great for when we go on holiday. But I forget I'm wearing. It's quite comfy, which is probably a good thing. But I forget I'm wearing it. And so many times, Sam doesn't let me into shops where there's any glass or pottery ware. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> said, you're going to take it all out with that stupid large camera bag. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I hate backpacks. I just generally hate backpacks. On you know, not just camera ones, but you're right on the tube and things like that. People get on and then smash you in the face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
It's yeah. just about the right height for small children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, book of the week. So it's a book that's not a book, but it's going to yes. be a book, hopefully. So it's really cool. It came in the post, um, and I opened it up, and it's just bright pink, and on the front it just says, hey, look at this. <laughs> Good. That's cool, but I'm going to read out the little note. Uh, so this is from Dennis Skiam, as we know, um, who we've had on the show. Gentlemen, I like a letter that starts gentlemen. Yeah. That's nice. It's so well. Uh, it's on proper paper with a letter yeah, headed oh and all that kind of what, stuff. Handwritten, hand handwritten, handwritten. It's not handwritten, no, but it's it's hand signed, ah, which is very nice. Okay. Uh, all the grammar is correct. Um, gentlemen, it has been an absolute honor and an exquisite privilege to Ooh. be a listener to your podcast almost from the start. Yeah. I'm creating a book with some of my work. No, not my subtly erotic Pokemon fan fiction, but rather my photography. <laughs> what? The, en the entry barrier has gotten so low that even someone as dastardly and bereft of funds as I am can put a photo into a quality print book form. As you two have prov provided ample inspiration and motivation for yours truly, both before, during, and hopefully after this pandemic mm. i wanted to share with you a couple of test prints of volume one of my upcoming photo book hey look at this to be perfectly honest without media such as your podcast i don't think i would have been able to keep the photographic steam up this last oh. year given the circumstance dennis. but i did so thank you keep up with the fantastic work you both do pretty please sugar on top best regards dennis skiam so when i grow up i want to be like dennis in terms of street photography his work is just amazing yeah absolutely and i want to be the picture he has at the end where he's uh, the very last page just says the end www.dennisskiam.com there's a picture of him with a camera to his eye and a massive cigar in his hand which looks <laughs> ace. Uh, and then the inside flap at the back says thank you for your attention um it's cool so like i said it's 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 bright pink on the front with white text and on the back it's white with bright pink text very well you know it's a real eye-catching thing at the beginning now dennis did allude and say that this is a test print so maybe this isn't something he's ever even going to think about selling but we will leave it to him to to let us know about that if and when that happens and other people are interested in it but yeah absolutely so you know one of the one of the things that uh, you just said about his photography is, especially street photography, is that it's beautiful. And it is. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting street photography as well. It kind of starts, some of it is with very wide angles. The very first one is uh, Copenhagen, July 2020, which is looks like some kind of fisheye lens. Um, and this guy kind of walking past a uh, one of the, maybe a town hall or something. But because of the lens choices, it's got this very kind of bizarre look to it. And I remember when I spoke to Dennis, I was talking to him about the uh, kind of choices of colors and and all of that kind of stuff that he, he utilizes and silhouette and shadow and it's very very obvious in his work um you know he's he mentioned in the question we had earlier uh joshua jackson and there's an element of that in here as well but i think with joshua's work it's more specific it's like constantly the same whereas dennis is you know there's elements of that but then there's elements of really cool kind of landscape photography you know, which is still street but but kind of wider in a, in a vista so to speak as he said this is a test print so um and coupled with the question that we had earlier from him about you know how books should be I would, I would say you don't necessarily. So every single picture has the um, has the location and the de the month and the date underneath it. So I would perhaps drop that. To be honest with you, Dennis, if this is uh, if this is a testing, or perhaps make it less obvious, make it much smaller font, align it to the right or left rather than larger fonts centralized. And why would um, you why would you drop the date up? Because you're worried that it, it dates the work unnecessarily or not necessarily, but I just don't think we need to know what where every single 
actual picture was as and oh, you know and the right. month it was taken yeah. um you know i just don't and, and maybe if you want to do a contact sheet at the back that says that then fine it's just as i'm doing this flicking through i'm i'm, I'm i've actually got the book upside down as we speak and my eyes are drawn to the text first and that's that's not what you want you want your eyes to be drawn to the images first yeah. i do like the way he's designed the the sections though so it has uh, for example the, the section i've just turned to is architecture and the layout of that is excellent nice pure black background white text just big words architecture and a little in, mm. introduction to it just a small paragraph perfect and then some fantastic architectural pictures which of course we talked about previously as well in the underground and uh, you know the, the, a lot of these um, Scandinavian countries have amazing subway systems it's very well designed they do, I suppose, yeah. and he's a master of the silhouette in those moments as well the stuff that I've seen of his that's right yeah silhouette plays plays a big part but yeah I mean the, you know the libraries and things like that and so it's that Stockholm station is very very well photographed isn't it with the red i don't know what they call it like stonework so this um, work this works from because he's uh, he's um from denmarkland as we now yeah. call it but he's yeah. a lot of this work is in sweden is it it's all over that kind of area yeah. really so okay. there's a little bit um there's a there's a spattering of new york but mostly it's kind of yeah. uh Scandinavia and <laughs> then kind of a little bit of germany yeah. um thrown in but i love the i love the um the stadiums the berlin i don't know whether that's the alliance arena or whatever but it's uh, amazing amazing i'd love to see what, what shot so wide we should have, we should invite dennis across on a on a, on a a wet monday afternoon to swindon to see what he could do with that <laughs> i'd be fascinated yeah yeah absolutely but then actually you know what he's got a people section um some of these are portraits are so not technically street photography i suppose but they might be random strangers yeah but they are beautiful as well yeah. you know really well considered beautiful light if i was to be uh any kind of um, criticism would be about the the, num- the text underneath the te- underneath the images, right. and actually, ironically, the ones in the people section there is none, and um, you know perhaps that makes sense. But those black and whites there are amazing as well. Yeah, so it's around about ninety pages. Currently, not a published book. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Hey, look oh, at this. I'd be lining up. Yeah, no, I would as well. Well, you don't have to now. I've got you one. Mm, yeah. Oh no, I sell yours. <laughs> it's on eBay. <laughs> I'll buy it from eBay. I'll go onto your eBay account. The um, in in Denmarkland, they're very very good. Um, f- from those that I've spoken with, photographers that I've spoken with, at supporting the arts, and there's quite a lot of arts funding available. It seems before Dennis shouts back and says, "No, there's not. Just for some people, maybe." But it seems to me, from the outside looking in and the conversations I've had, that they support uh, art books and photography books and photography as an art in uh, in Denmark quite well. Yeah, maybe. I don't I really don't know, but yes, I mean that would be a good thing. Yeah. No, it is. Very good. So um oh well, we look forward to getting the actual book at some stage then. Oh. I mean, it looks pretty much damn finished in my mind. Mm. All good. Sold a scene. Um X100V's featuring a bit this week in uh in question. Do you mind another X100V one, Kev? No. Um hi guys, greetings from Cape Town. I'm a huge fan, insert many yadda yadda yaddas here, never miss an episode. Based on your discussions, I've recently added an X100V to my camera bag. This is Lionel Botha. Uh, absolutely loving it. I have two quick questions, does Lionel? Firstly, have you gone the extra step by weatherproofing yours by getting the Fujifilm adapter ring and UV filter? I think we've probably just answered that one. Uh, no, is the answer to that for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kev? No. Yeah, yeah. no. Uh, and then second, why, why, why would be your answer? My next question to you on that one as a sort of follow up to to Lionel's before I ask his second question. I never really needed it. 
I mean, the 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 little what they used to call the vanity ring, I think, mm. um, was used for the filters, um, and you need that now on the X one hundred V for it to be properly weather sealed. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, the least camera that I... I never worry about weather sealing on any of the cameras, to be honest with you. It would never stop me buying a camera. But the least one I worry about the most, or the one I worry about the least, <laughs> is, uh, put those words in the right order, is is the X100. Because you can't get dust in there or anything, because it's non-interchangeable. Um, you know, yeah, if it rains very heavily, you might you might have some, some dramas. But, I mean, I've used my cameras, my X100s, all of them in bad weather yeah, and I've never fun. had any problems I, I mean we know the story One, my X100S I think it was it dropped into, it dropped swimming, into pool. The swimming pool didn't you yeah. <laughs> that still was works. fine yeah did you, ri- did, you, edges, did, you, still works. did you rice bag that one is that did you do that with uh, the old rice trick uh, no. no I don't know I can't remember well, we were in Spain so I think I just put it on the pool side and it was like you know it's about 40 degrees isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so you doused it and then you baked it <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah <laughs> Uh, there is a question in there. This isn't from Lionel, but there is a... I can't find it. I was zipping through then to see if I could do a seamless link. But, but of course, underneath is the little... Um, is it the microphone pickup? Or there's something underneath, isn't there, on the X100V? What, what, are, the, what are the four small slots? Yeah, sound, there is, sound. Uh, there is, you're right, there is a microphone, there's a there's a kind of audio pickup for audio. reference audio, I think. Um, and I wonder if that, I mean, uh, I mean, if water got into there, would that be a way into the camera? I don't know, really. Is it a sealed know. unit, maybe? I don't know. don't know. I mean, you've got, you've got the hot shoe, you've got, you know, the, um, the USB cables. They're all a way in, but, it, no, okay. Well, we're not all dropping ours into swimming pools, obviously. No, and I only did it once. No. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> and Lionel had a second question. What are your thoughts about the electronic zoom? Do you use it, or is it better to crop in post and get that little bit closer? Um, anyway, thanks for your insights. Please keep doing what you're doing. Regards, Lionel Botha, at L Botha, B-O-T-H-A, on Instagram. Um, yeah, that, the, the zoom, occasionally... Because I because I use the X100, um, sorry, the X Pro one quite a lot still, I'm always sort of adjusting focus. And it's become sort of something I automatically do, even though I know it's not a focus, it's a zoom on the, the X100V. But I have found myself changing that accidentally. And, yeah. You can switch that off. You can switch you, it you, off, you, yeah. It yeah. sounds like you have it attached to the command dial on the front ring. I do, um, I do. Uh, yeah, switch switch that off because you will end up doing that a lot. I, I, I don't use it at all. When it first came out on the X100F, I used it for a little while, but then actually I also have the um, teleconverter. Yeah. So that I used to just use that. But, um, yeah, I don't – I just don't – I mean, you know, I'm, well, I can understand why they did it and yeah. I understand the benefits of it for sure. But for me, you know, 23mm is, is the, the focal length that I bought that camera for. <sighs> And maybe it's because I've got other cameras that I've got interchangeable lenses with. If you only have the X100, then perhaps you'd use it more often. But yeah, it's it's good. It's fine. What about you quality? Um, electronically zooming in as a, as opposed to using Shanks's ponies. It does. It's not just the same as cropping a file later. It does. It is cropping it, but it's using interpolation in the camera. Yeah. Um, so it's not quite the same as just taking a, an original image and cropping it in Photoshop afterwards. No. So quality-wise, it's perfect. There's no, you wouldn't really notice any difference, I don't think, between an original file and, and one used on the teleconverter. But yes, it's not. It's not a zoom. It's a digital zoom. So it's it's yeah. it's not. You know, it's not using the lens to zoom as such. No. 
so the quality is never going to be as good yeah it's not going to be it's not going to be in terms of you know that extra reach that you get if you're no. moving glass around no absolutely thanks for your question right facebook kev i think we've got time for another facebook yes okay um alex Fredrickson says i'm sure we all take photos that other photographers love and non-photographers don't like or don't get what is it about a photograph that makes it a photographer's photograph do you think well i, th- I, I think about that for hours yeah i suppose in artistic terms i've started referring to something that a photographer called tim beals said to me about his father uh, his grandfather rather uh, called layering we've always talked about layering haven't we kev you know and i think that's a photographer's trick isn't it about the dirt he calls it the dirty foreground you know having something in front of that that sort of brings that that uh, layering to life and mm. i think that's the sort of thing that photographers who just shoot a bit at the weekend take their camera out not even hobbyists so those that take images sometimes don't don't think about things like that and they probably wonder why oh why have you got a shoulder in the way there what's that about why are you shooting through a hedge why don't you just walk through the hedge and then make the picture i think things like that are things that non-photographers probably don't understand don't get don't appreciate yeah i mean oh yeah yeah i agree (laughs) that's not your job your job (laughs) you you and i are a bit like government and opposition it's It's, too complicated you're supposed to disagree with me kev that's the idea of the show (laughs) all right i disagree (laughs) and then say why (laughs) uh no i do i agree uh yeah it's yeah yeah it's just it's subjective isn't it i suppose silhouette things like silhouettes is, is another thing I think non-photographers might look at a picture that's a silhouette and think, I can't see what's going on. Why is it all black? Or there's a sort of movement at the moment of of people that are sort of pushing back now against the um, silhouette person walking into the light, isn't there? Yeah, it's become pretty pretty cliched, I suppose. Um, But What are the other cliches? Sometimes a non-photographer might say... I love that thing you can do when you when you've just got the jacket in red, but everything else is in black and white. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, when you get when you get the husband to drag the woman forcefully up a ma- random mountain in the middle of nowhere. Oh, now we're talking about day. yeah. Well, I don't think professionals get that one, Kev. <laughs> what's what's that? Cliche. Well, when I'm mean, supposed cliche picture making what's cliche for one person isn't for another i guess yeah exactly spot, that's why it's, a, it's this is a non-answerable an unanswerable question it's not it's not a question that you couldn't answer but it's a conversational piece rather than a right or wrong or yes or no answer yeah. i think because it goes even beyond whether it's a photographer's photo or not and the subjectivity of the of what people see you know i mean we uh, i am absolutely comfortable with the fact that many people will look at my work professional photographers and think well that's shit. And, and others oh, don't Kev. think that. But that's subjectivity, isn't it? It's true. It's subjectivity. And it's yeah. interesting that, that now, I'm, I, I hope she's not going to get irritated by, by me doing this, but Anna McCarthy, okay, who shot your wedding. Beautiful pictures. Now, yeah. she had a post and her pictures were, the ones that she chose were stylistically quite different to the ones that you chose. Now, one of the ones that I love of hers that you chose that she didn't choose was the picture of, of um, it's in your kitchen. It's so one. the ones I put on there, I didn't choose. I oh, just randomly you? selected 20 oh, pictures. I thought, oh, I thought you no. chose them diligently, Kev. No, 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 because they were all great. So uh, and, and there was a lot of them. So I just, I didn't want to, I wanted to put something up there, ah. you know, to show off the pictures yeah. uh, and say thank you to Anna. So, yeah, I, I literally just randomly, I mean, I did, I think what I did was I had them in kind of thumbnail view on, on um, Windows Explorer and just kind of the ones that I remember smiling at, 
I just grabbed and but they only need a thumbnail level and just dragged them into Facebook. So I didn't make any any kind of considered thought okay, process. But there. but in in terms of well examples of dogs and feet and things appearing, um, I think that's an that's an interesting example, isn't it? That a non photographer wouldn't necessarily think, well, what's that? Why didn't they just go down the stairs and get the picture? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think that's another. I'll tell you another thing. Conversation with a glass of falling down juice, isn't it? At some yeah, stage, yeah. It is. It's a long, long question. Have we got time for one more? Or is it, or is it last last orders at the bar, gents? I think it's last orders at the bar. Is it? Should we have one more quick question? Go on then, Logan Reynold. Um, hello. First of all, grateful to have recently discovered your podcast. Thank you for your openness and candor around the craft and business of photography. I'm at a crossroads. Oh no, Kev. Perhaps we shouldn't have done a crossroads question because that can be a while. In my life, Benny. Where yeah, Benny. Where I'm? Do they still make that? No. Do they? No, I don't think they the do. The television set that always moved if somebody walked across yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> doors. <laughs> no. In my life, that's where, where David Jason cut his teeth on Crossroads. You know? No way, really. Yeah, that's where he started. Uh, Del Boy. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, he's at a Crossroads, not the Crossroads. Well, I'm ready to take an honest crack at building a business around primarily weddings. The doc approach is deeply in line with my own photographic goals and the ways I would aim to market and present myself. It seems that many photographers, at least in my market, begin building up their paid experience and portfolio via family and couple portrait sessions. Any ideas or recommendations for small jobs and services I could offer that would help build up this experience and portfolio? Apart from those uh, sort of staged sessions... You're preaching to Kev's choir or singing from the same hymn book or whatever the, the expression is. On a similar note, it seems that uh, most, if not all, photographers in my market include an engagement shoot as part of the overall wedding package. Is it something that either of you have experienced dealing with, either as a, a request or something you offered as a service? I will say, Logan, that I used to offer that as default service for years and years and years and years and years. Before I think it might have been something that Kev said. Why are you doing that? Well, what are you actually achieving from it? And I... I went away and thought about it and thought, yeah, because it doesn't really doesn't really sing of what I want to do, and it is a bit contrived. And it, it's I don't believe a portrait session before a wedding necessarily. I don't I don't think Kev, you would probably agree with this that um, that nobody's ever turned up at a wedding and said, Kev, oh Neil, I feel so much more like I'm, I can face today because I did that pre-wedding shoot with you. Yeah, I think I do understand why cli some clients think it's part of the the process yeah um because a lot of photographers say you know you on their website you need to have a pre-wedding shoot so we get to know each other and everything and that's absolutely fine for the people that that work that way but yeah certainly for documentary style approach it's not necessary i had a client recent uh, booking recently for a wedding next year and and they were like oh well, you know will we do that and actually they're very local i actually said to them no not really we wouldn't do that but that doesn't mean that if near the time you want to grab a coffee and you know we'll, we'll have a chat and if that really results in some pictures in a coffee shop then that's fine but it's not i'm not going to charge you for a, a uh you know an engagement shoot as such yeah so that's kind of my my take on those but that's because of the doc thing what what about yeah. small jobs and services to build his experience i mean i think he's mentioned family and couple portrait sessions they are a great way to build up um confidence in in your ability even even though it's not something that you necessarily want to uh, want to do and it's it's a it's a it's a pretty good marketplace out there for building some experience that's for sure yeah or you know get into the local businesses you know get into the uh, the rural businesses the farms yeah. all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. offer them you know say i just want to come and take some pictures for the day and uh you know and get them get candid pictures of them doing their thing you know you might find a whole new talent hidden inside well and people actually quite like that approach i think that well you want to take pictures oh if you like i think people are quite um I, i've uh, started doing a project about um uh, 
uh, uh, about the allotments, and that's that's quite a it's quite an in, it's quite an interesting place to be actually. I mean, characters that you find uh, at allotments, uh, well, they they hmm. bought they border between sort of fiercely competitive and really quite eccentric. Hmm. And the, you, the, these people are everywhere, I suppose. If you look around, not, I'm not suggesting. <laughs> Steve Vaughan's got an allotment. Has he? Yeah, or it might be it might be um, Mandy. I don't know, but no, you're right. Them. Actually, I think Sam and Steve do have an allotment. Sam, Sam has it. Yeah, but I think yeah. yes, but they both they both tend to their allotment, don't they? I presume so. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, um, I think I, I I actually think that um, some small jobs and services like like some. Uh, some some portfolio building with um, uh, with portrait sessions, and you can make them a, li- a little bit more sort of um, uh, informal as well. They don't have to be terribly formal, do they, Kev? And, and then, as Kev says, yeah, go find some projects. It's a good way to build some experience, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it, Kev. Time, gentlemen, please. You can go rest your weary feet. <laughs> um, if only it was true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you got? Uh, is there any more coming up this weekend? Is that just the start of all these in a row now? I got, uh, yeah, I got one, yeah, next weekend as well. This weekend, two. They're coming out the woodwork, they are. Well, well, thank you for for being with us this week. If you've got a comment you'd like to make and leave on the Facebook group, please do. And, of course, you can send your questions still via the Facebook group uh, that Kev reads out. Uh, If you'd like to send them in by email, you can do. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Thank you to those who are supporting the show by Patreon. Um, we'll have part two of Andreas's um, Ask Andreas feature next week. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. And uh, see you next week. Bye, Kev. Bye bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. 